Bully Podcast, a podcast focused on beating the hell out of your negative voice. Lawrence Odiase is obviously the host of this podcast, and this is obviously a different setup with obviously a guest. And for this podcast, I'm actually grateful to have Mr. Tyrick Gucher on the podcast. Man, I'm glad to be here, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, bro. You're, he's my vet. I came in freshman year and Tajik was there at Texas Tech. And I don't know, he's, he's someone that's consistent, a man of integrity, a man that is driven. And it's so funny because you have these teammates that you've grown with, that you've seen how they've grown in their personal lives, but you don't actually know the true backstory for this platform. I am obviously, and I'm thankful to have you on to showcase that kind of backstory. So in this, just a stage setter for these podcasts, I like to start with the formative years Mm -hmm. because I do think they play a role in who you've become. So if you were to take me back to the greedy G, that kid in Garland, to understand why you even picked up a basketball, who was that kid and what was he like? Um, I mean, growing up in Garland, Texas, man, uh, you're surrounded by sports, kind of. Uh, Dallas is down the street, so I've always been a fan of the Mavericks, of course. And my father, he 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 was he went to Baylor for football, so I was a, really a football player first. And really, yeah. So he, um, everyone thought I was going to Baylor out of high school, uh, which is funny, which I almost did, but. Man, I was just a simple guy. Just wanted to, you know, I didn't want my parents to pay for college. So that was my number one goal as an eighth grader. Yeah. So yeah. that that was the start of my journey, eighth grade year, telling my father, hey, I'll make sure you never have to pay for college and going from there. Eighth grade, you take on that kind of role of responsibility. I I know you, one would think of that it now and be like, that's admirable. But if I was behind your eyes in that time, I'm like, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And before then, what did you see in that environment, in your world that made you think like, okay, I have to take it on myself for them not to pay for school. Like I have to get preschool. I have to get a scholarship. Like, what did you see? Well, first and foremost, uh, I mean, my parents were, we weren't well off. We weren't poor, but we were like right in the middle. I had, I ate every meal. I had clothes. I had a roof over my head. So I was always grateful for that. So obviously you're a fan of NBA players, NFL players. And that was the start of it. Everyone wants to make it to the NBA, but I was, I started step by step. And, um, in eighth grade, I got my first job. So mm. I started saving money then. Like if I can't get a scholarship, I'm gonna pay for my own college. So. I don't know. I just had dreams and goals at a young age, which my parents kind of had the platform for me. So where, where did that come from? I'm really curious. I go a lot of ways, but before eighth grade, like the kid, because mm-hmm. I think childhood is a, is a, is a point to where you see the values of your family. You right. watch after your dad, you play football, you watch after your mom, kind of that home unit is strong. What was your parenting like? Like, what did they instill in you that even made this basketball dream something that you wanted to chase? Yeah, my my mom, as most moms, are always important. School work is most important. I mean, that's every mom, most moms <laughs> yeah. in the world. And my dad, he was the same way, but also um, 
at, in a basketball game or football game, my mom and dad never sat together. It was my mom in the stands and my dad over by himself taking stats or, you know, uh, he was a coach. So he didn't want to be a cheerleader or like be the dad. He was always kind of firm on me. And I needed that because most kids from Garland, they never make it out or they stick to where they're from and never try to get out of that environment. So uh, that was number one. And if I had a bad game in a car, I didn't want to, you know, how that car, uh, the drive home is right. with your dad after a bad game. It's like you could have did this and that. So I was always being coached from eighth grade, seventh grade on, and on for sure. Man, I think that's it's, it's crazy because you pick up the game and you immediately get thrown into this world of, okay, I got to strive, I got to achieve, I got to achieve, mm-hmm. I got to achieve. And on one hand, that is admirable. But on the other hand, as a kid, it, it can be tough. Like for me, in my story, I only picked up the basketball because I saw like kids say, okay, that's significant. You're right. worth something. Like I think in that time, in adolescence, you really are impressionable mm-hmm. and you're looking at things. You're trying to find evidence of something and who you can become. Like, okay, so. You have the values from your family, the strength to go after it, the perseverance. But then you have your own beliefs mm-hmm. on how to meet that value. You go to the greedy G in your high school, things look different yeah. from their day. So if I was in your time, what are kind of the behaviors that came from that? Because for me, I'm Nigerian. I have a family, for, um, parents from, um, from Nigeria, right. immigrants. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a twin and I'm always curious of the abilities that I have. So I was kind of stubborn. So when I went to school, I was doing the wrong things. I was yeah. in the gangs. I was doing all that things because I was curious, mm-hmm. but there was some friction in my own identity from your values from the home and the beliefs that you gained for yourself. What were kind of the traits and kind of the behaviors that you had in that time? Yeah. I mean, uh, going into high school, I wanted to fit in. I mean, like any other kid, um, I was, what does that look like? Like Todrick wanting to fit in? Like- me fitting in is okay. You see your friends doing things off the court that you're not supposed to, whether it's partying, whether it's, you know, doing drugs or stuff like that in games, like you mentioned. Um, so I wanted to, you know, try that out and, you know, fit in with the guys and stuff like that. And yeah. sagging back then was huge. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, my freshman year, as soon as I tried, I had a senior, which uh, I never forget. He was like, hey, man, I see a, I see potential and a future in you. So I'm going to keep you away. And he was a game member. Mm. So he which is you don't see that often. You hear about it. Uh on TV and stuff, but it's always a head guy that's in the gang. And he's like, Hey, I need a, if I see potential in you, especially in sports, I want you to get out. Don't follow what we do. We have to do this sometimes, but uh, I see potential. So don't go our route. And he kept me away from it. And from then I I told myself, I'll never cuss. I'll never drink. I'll never do drugs. So that's where it pretty much started. Yeah, And I've been living that all since. So it's, that is, it's crazy because, you know, a lot of times and I had this conversation on this podcast before with like gang culture, mm-hmm. it's looked at in a certain way, like, oh, the narratives play, you know, in the wrong ways and the negative lights, which yeah. there is some negativity there. Sure. But in those times during adolescence, when you're impressionable, they do build a sense of community and it has you 
knowing that, okay, I can be someone else. Like I can become someone else and having this community pour into me, whoever, like that means something mm-hmm. to come from a peer. Mm-hmm. And then I see myself, I'm like, okay, like I am something different. And you start seeing yourself outside your situation. It's, it's interesting because when you say you didn't curse, you didn't drink, I, you followed that up all the way out through college. Like I remember that vividly, like Todrick was not on that. <laughs> yep. And just to hear that now, it's like, wow, having that consistency is extremely tough. And nowadays you don't see it, I guess. It has to be, as I'm thinking about this, there has to be like an emotional tie, something that you saw, something that you experienced that made you stick with that consistency Mm -hmm. all out. I'm just thinking about it in my head. Was there a time, was there a moment where you were like, nah, I have to stand on my all all 10 and stay to what I said. Like I stick to my commitment. Like why did that or why was that so important for you to stay like that? Yeah. So for me, it was uh, I have family members that are, you know, addicts and things like that. So growing up, seeing that you can either go two ways, either I don't want to be like that or I'm going to follow the footsteps of that. And yeah. I've always wanted to be different in the the good way. You know, like I said, no cursing, no drinking, no uh, drugs to be known for that just to. That was my way of standing out. I mm. felt like growing up. So um, especially in college, that's the most time yeah. you drink, yeah. smoke, do all the things that you're away from your parents. So um, growing up, seeing my family members being addicts, I was like, there's no way I can follow this path. And I want to do better than them mm. uh, pretty much. And I mean, I, it's, I've been consistent with it still t- today, which so it's, I mean, I'm impressed by myself, but it's like riding a bike now. I can, it's, it's not even an interest to me anymore. Right. So I built my mind to go that route and I'm going to stay that route forever. You built your mind to go that route. Also, you know, we search during that time for, as with the basketball, you identify yourself with the basketball, you pick up the sport and you're significant, you're great at it, you run with it, but also your own personal identity. I believe that we have these narratives that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. about who we are and what we can do, right. that you tell the whole world with everything that you do. During that time, if you were to go back, hindsight is one thing, but in that time, what was that kid telling himself about who he was and what he could become? Uh, at that point, man, I knew I wanted to become, uh, my biggest thing was I wanted to go D1, become a Division One basketball player at any school, small, big, it didn't matter. But uh, as I got Why? older and older, it's because I wanted that identity. I wanted to achieve that goal. My eighth grade year goal was to get a free scholarship to anywhere. Uh, it could have been D3, D2, but D1 was my biggest. I mean, back then, we didn't have the YouTube where I can get recruited off of my highlight tape or like today, some guys go to the NBA off of a high school highlight tape. Yeah. So. We didn't have that. So mine was put in the work and reach this goal, be a, become a division one player. Have you ever thought about, because that's admirable and we, you know, and as athletes, as people that strive, that's just the nature, the ilk, mm-hmm. that's how we're cut. Yep. Have you ever thought about what if I didn't have that goal? And what if I didn't go D1? Like is my drive 
driven from something externally? Like, am I driven or am I being dragged by something that makes me think D1 is the only thing that yeah. makes this successful? Like, I, have you ever thought about that? Yeah. I've have looking back. Um, I mean, I think we're dragged by society, honestly, with that mindset that this is the only way you're good enough. So um, D1 was the pinnacle. It wasn't, we didn't have too many guys going from high school to NBA. So going to that division one school or getting that scholarship was, I mean, a big dream of ours. Now, nowadays you see young guys, oh, thanks for the D1 offer from yeah. Texas Tech. And it's like, Oh, it's nothing. But back then, I was like, man, this is a dream come true. Yeah. So we have the opportunity to showcase what we can do and go to the next step. But um, I mean, I think we're dragged by society for that, for sure. Yeah. And it's it, it's like we're dragged by something, but it's it's good because it's making you who you are. For sure. And then you have this kid, you're playing this sport, your dad's taking the stats, your mom's in a different location. Like, you have that ilk mm -hmm. coming up. And then on the flip side, on the academic side, you also have that same ilk. Oh, yeah. You fast forward to Texas Tech, you graduate with two degrees. Yeah. And that's very tough to do in yeah. less than four years. Yeah. And so if I'm in your story, if I'm behind your eyes, in your shoes, I'm like, what I've accomplished, what I've become is something admirable. Like my younger self would be like, this is somebody that I would aspire to be like. But what is the battle between the years in that, like that chasing perfection, striving for greatness in those tough times where you're trying to, oh, I got to go to class and I got to make this great, but I got practice, but I got workouts, but I got right. this. What is the real challenges that you faced? I'm just thinking because that's too huge world that it takes yeah. an extreme intention to be great at, to become everything that you are. What are some of the challenges you faced? Um, the challenges were the negative thoughts of, can I actually do it? I mean, so I finished at Texas Tech with three degrees. So I got my bachelor's, then I got two masters at the same time. Yeah. yeah so yeah, a yeah. year apart, but um, That's which, I mean, I was Pretty much at the time. I remember not because, you, bro, I remember I used to be like, bro, I want to do that. I never told you. I'm like, that's actually really cool. Todd used to come in the locker room. Yeah, businessman. I'm a businessman. Yes. But yeah. I always like saw that as a mark to say, okay, I want to achieve that as well. Yeah. And it started with Kirby. I mean, I don't know if you talk about him a lot. Kirby Holcutt. I mean, he pulled me in there and said, you have the, the takes to do this thing. So, um, I mean, I feel like the people you're surrounded by, everyone talks about it, the, the five people and I can show you how successful you'll be. I believe in that 100% because when my mind goes negative, when I'm usually overseas or I'm feeling bad, I have five people that I can go to and it's like, hey, man, what do I need to do? And they're all successful businessmen um, in all types of life, they're just successful. So um, I stick to those people and try not to get the negative vibes that are easily can influence me in any way. During those times, though, before you call those five people before and you're feeling the feelings, what kind of leads up to that? Like you, if I'm thinking, you're probably thinking about certain situations mm -hmm. that's really pivotal that's or a transitional period that are trying mentally, emotionally, yep. 
what or take me to those times because I think it's um it's essential to see how you were and to see you know what you've become but what were those times like man I break down a lot um I mean I do it by myself usually but I'm a guy that's open to crying behind closed doors but uh I I break down so many times basically trying to hold my shoulders up, hold my chest up, thinking I'm the man of the house, as people say. Um, so, I mean, those times are definitely difficult. Um, I'm not going to shy away and say I'm a Superman or I'm. Do you remember this- one, one, one specific time? Yeah. So in college, my senior year, um, I, I was around you guys always. And I was, the uh, you know, the veteran, the leader, the captain of yeah. the team. Uh, and we went to the NCAA tournament that year but throughout that year was one of the most trying times of my life meaning i was always breaking down because i mean life was hard then i didn't know what was coming next after basketball i'm thinking my career is over um academics i knew i could finish but i didn't know what i wanted to do so off the court i was after practice i was at home trying to figure out life Uh, i was about to get engaged during Mm -hmm. that time so it was just a trying time and I mean, I was breaking down every week, every weekend, after every game, especially a bad game. It was like, man, I don't know what's next in life or what to do. So those negative thoughts always came to my mind and came to my heart. And but I had you guys to surround me and push me through. So honestly, not to get you. I don't think. Not in the ways from my perspective, I don't. I don't want this to sound away, but it's fine, Billy Pocket. I don't really think you had us because I didn't know that until yeah. you just said it. Yeah. And, you know, Goach is always smiling. I, mm-hmm. I said he's consistent because he yeah. always shows up smiling, always mm-hmm. making jokes, always calling me ugly, which I'm yeah. beautiful. <laughs> but like he's always one way and you never really see that side. And most men, I, I believe they do suffer in silence. because oh, yeah. There's so many things that you're trying to aspire to, whether it's society were dragged by this. You got to go. You got to achieve. But you don't see in your current situation. Like, it's hard to see that. Yeah. How did you work through that? I guess it's, I don't know, just without saying, without speaking for you, it's like surrounding yourself. You're still achieving a goal within a team unit, but surrounding yourself just around people. Like you weren't isolated. You were right. in a group of people that really got you through the days. It's, it's so it's so interesting. I fast forward to, you know, your pro career. I think you're eight year pro now. Eight year. Mm-hmm. Just to accomplish what you've accomplished. And even that to rewind, I want to rewind. I jump all over the place. But through that trying year, what's next? You did propose to Kelly yeah. on senior night. Mm-hmm. Why was that? impactful or important for you to do it that day? I know it's like, obviously you're getting married, but to symbolize everything that you've been through, the work, the blood, sweat, tears, even that tough year Mm -hmm. to say, okay, I'm doing it on my senior night. I don't care how I feel this moment. Like this is solidified. I'm stamping this right now before I leave this place at Texas Tech. Like why was that so important to do and how have you grown since that moment? Yeah. So that was, I wanted to leave a lasting impact. That was my biggest thing. Um, and first and foremost, before the game, I believe if you don't remember, I told you guys, Hey, 
I have the ring here. I gave it to Bryce. Yeah. I said, listen, we have to win this game in order for me to do this. And first half, we were down 12. <laughs> so at halftime, I was nervous, like, man, uh-oh. So, but uh, I've always wanted to leave a lasting impact to be remembered for something, uh, whether basketball off the court. But uh, I knew that day that I wanted to do it for her and on the biggest stage that I could possibly be on for that time. So um, now that I've grown to who I am today as a pro, it's, I mean, I couldn't have drew this up any better the way my life has went. So I'm very proud of that moment and where I came. It was, it was a great moment. I looked at a video before then. I, I think I fell out like, <laughs> yeah. after you did it like an idiot. But just thinking about your story, eight years, fast forward to your pro career, being married overseas and you have two kids now, Rihanna and Akai, boy, girl, this man that you've become, married man away from family though. That is, for lack of better words, challenging. Yeah. And isolated. And you talked about earlier when you, in terms of college, you breaking down. Anna, how do you stay? How do you stay charged? What drives you? Because if I'm you, I'm like, bro, I'm just going to be with my family. Right. Like, she's a right. nurse. We can come here. I'm, mm-hmm. I have three degrees. I can start a career. Right. Like, mm-hmm. why? choose that route to still chase that dream that you had that you've accomplished. If you look back, you're like, whoa, eight year pro. Like I've done it. Mm-hmm. Like why keep going with everything that you have back at home? Uh, it's because I want to break barriers. Um, I know I can always come back to America to, you know, pursue a job, pursue a career, but every guy I speak to, Hey, play as long as you can. So that's been my mindset. Um, but the past year I had my two children with me in Europe and I just want to break barriers. Uh, like I what said, what barrier? you already broke it though. You're right. But it's like greedy G you're from this place. And the, the, the hood nigga basically yeah. told you, bro, like you're the chosen one. Keep yeah. grinding. And from that moment, you went to Texas tech, you achieved these things, went to a tournament, three degrees, you're eight year pro. You look back, you're like, wait, I have broke barriers. Mm-hmm. Like what, what other barrier is there to break? You're right, but there's not many. Fa- there's a lot of fathers, basketball players, pro basketball players overseas, but their kids are usually in America. So this year I told my wife, hey, I'm taking the kids regardless of situation, money, wherever we go. And uh, they went to international school. They were with me alone. Kelly was in Lubbock. And we had a nanny, of course, for when I go to practice, but it was the most the best precious time of my life really? just coming home to my two kids, which never happened. So if you think about Tom Brady and Kobe and things like that, they'll win a championship, but two days later, they're back in the gym trying to win another one. So it's like those barriers, you you just want to keep going. And especially with my mind, I just want to, there's, I don't want to get complacent, mm. I guess. Um, so I'm always reaching for higher, higher levels. For the sure. greater curiosity is like you're curious of the God-given abilities that you have. And you're curious of, okay, I look back at my career from the greedy G, like mm-hmm. my curiosity got me to Texas Tech. Yep. Oh, my curiosity got me three degrees. Mm-hmm. My curiosity got me to another country <laughs> in another year yep. with two kids. Like it's that unshakable underlying 
motive that you have to keep mm-hmm. going. I think the stain of confidence, a lot of people look confident and show their confidence in different mm-hmm. ways. I talk, I'm a talker, <laughs> but yours is always just a consistent, like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's admirable. It, it really is because it's seldom that you see someone that with everything that you face always be so positive. But when I kind of think of it, you talked about your family, you talked about your kids, but in terms of like social relationships, friendships, your journey, what is the cost of being Tadra Gocher? Like, what are you leaving behind because of your striving, your striving? Uh, for me, I'm leaving behind most of my friends, honestly. Um, it's, I mean, it's, they always say it's lonely at the top. Now, the journey to being what I strive to be, I, I lose a lot of friends. I lose a lot of family relationships back home in Garland and Dallas because I'm, whether I'm trying to strive and I see something that they're doing that I don't want to do, so I kind of push them to the side. So that's the sacrifice that I know I'm willing to give up, which you need people around you, but I don't mind losing some friends which sounds bad to get to where I'm trying to take me, my family and the close what do they, circle. What do they say when, because for me, I'm, if I'm striving, I lock out, I, I lock yeah. in and I block out everything. I'm striving. I'm going, I'm going, what are they saying to you in those moments? Like how do they communicate their frustrations yeah. and then vice versa? Most of it is like, Oh, you changed, mm-hmm. which like you say, I'm consistent. Usually I'm, I mean, I'm level-headed, straight, tunnel vision almost, but they always say that I change in the fact that I don't communicate the same way or I don't reach out to them the the same way. Or if someone needs something, I look at them like, but when I need you, you know, it's kind of different too. So how does that make you feel? Because I, bro, when I was overseas, bro, and you realize you're seven plus hours away from family and friends and you're going through a tough time being mm-hmm. isolated. I had a tough coach, a tough situation. Yep. And I know you before your kids came over there. It's just you going through the day to day workouts, right. those type of things. It's like, oh, wait. So like nobody's checking in on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does it feel for you to have to not only end some relationships, but not have a close unit when you need it the most? Man, it's difficult. Uh, I'm not going to say it's easy. Um, in Europe, as you know, you being out there, I mean, it's, it's lonely. It's, you're isolated. You're by yourself. Um, you have to find things to connect to or yeah. attach with yeah. to keep your mind steady. Um, and mine has been my first year, first two years, probably I was, Video games, you know, trying to Netflix, things right. like that. But then I had a guy that was 30 years old, Ryan Evans, went to Wisconsin, University mm-hmm. of Wisconsin. I don't know what's up with people taking me to the side and trying to guide me, but he gave me, handed me a book. And since that moment, I've been into books like crazy. Like I've read. So that's my, that's my getaway, mm-hmm. uh, reading, um, you know, puzzles, th- weird things that people will look down upon. But I mean, I, I attached to it and now I feel the most free and that I've ever been yeah. at. That's beautiful because you 
you do have on your IG, it says perspective, just one mm-hmm. word, period, perspective. Yep. And I think that when somebody does see, okay, this guy's actually searching to see who he can be, not just on the court, but off the court as a man, he's curious on like, what do I pick up? Mm-hmm. I'm here. Like I got to find something to connect with, to right. identify myself with, to see a different version of myself. He's curious. Okay. I'm going to put him on, like mm-hmm. give him a book and basically symbolizing or teaching you to embrace the journey that you have. Embracing the journey before that though, like what was the friction? Like what were you fighting before you finally settled down year two when he gave you that book? Like how, what were kind of the symptoms of you fighting that journey? Yeah. I mean, number one, negativity. Like why am I doing this? Personal. You would show that because I'm not oh. used to Todrick showing it. On the court, man, like I'm not a guy to fight with a coach, but I'm, I had to look at my perspective because I would, something small would set me off because, you know, being lonely, you, you don't have no one to release yourself to. So I would release it on a coach like when I was younger and I'm like, man, this is not me. Like, I, I don't know what's going on or I'll yell at my wife for no reason. So it's just, I don't know. It, it was, it was a lot of friction. My first two years of trying to find myself, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I mean, that's how you really find yourself in those difficult moments and find out who you are. So man, it was a lot of yelling, which, you know, me, I don't, yeah, I, I never yell. I yeah. never. But uh, those first two years were yelling. I was first year married, so yelling at wife. But now, I mean, I'm back to the original me, where it's all smooth sailing for sure. Smooth sailing. When I think of a career overseas, there's a lot of things that pop up in my head, <laughs> and for lack of better words, it's tough. Yes, my experience was tough, and a lot of people say. Oh, you, you had one and done. Yeah. I'm one and done from Europe. I'm done. <laughs> yes. When you think about your career overseas, what is the picture that pops up in your head? Man, that's a good question for me. Overcoming is the one word I can, because. But what vision do you see of a Todd? Is it of you? Is it of something? Is it a, a like a picture that he says, okay, that's someone that's overcame something. Um, Man, I, I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, I mean, I just feel like just running over a hill. Like a, if I could picture something like in a picture, it would be me at the top of that hill. And now I can finally year eight come down slowly the way I want to, because I mean, those eight years, whether it's not getting paid, whether it's language barrier, the culture, the food, it's just it's not what people think about Europe when they go to Europe. They see the tourist spots and, you know, eat whatever food, but it's nothing like that. So for me, it's that guy at the top of that mountain and he's like, I'm finally made it. I finally here and I can ease down and finish the way I want to. So finish the way I want to. I, I always jump everywhere, but that has me thinking. It's like you just talked about your curiosity to strive to keep going mm-hmm. and motor. But now it's an ease down from that climb. And for me, when I say or when I think of you saying that is you see something far off into the horizon, like Mm -hmm. this career after basketball, the career after sports, after your life's work of what you've been able to become. It's another climb. It's the journey up the hill again. Mm -hmm. When you 
think in your vision, guy, you have big goals and you said it like I saw on your IG, you literally have like a highlight of your literally from your personal goals to everything. When you think about life after basketball, what is it that you're chasing and what makes that climb up that hill worth it? Um, For one, I'm chasing freedom, not only financially, but I've always wanted to do whatever I want to do on my own time. Uh, that's been number one for me, whether it's if I want to travel or go to Greece tomorrow, I want to get to that point in life because, um, I mean, obviously I have a family to take care of and I can't just get up and go, but right. I'm chasing freedom. Um, whether it's through winning a deal, winning, uh, whatever career path I take, which I kind of, I'm on the cusp of knowing what I want to do, but um, that, that? I, I think I'm, I want to get into the agent business. Um, NBA, not Europe. Europe yeah. is a whole different world. <laughs> but, uh, I went to Las Vegas. I, I saw you in Vegas and networking and that kind of, that's the kind of lifestyle I can see myself in and striving in. So I can't wait for that climb. Yeah. And, and for a lot of guys, it, it's tough because when you're so specialized in basketball, you kind of lose out on the traits for everything mm-hmm. else. Like I talked to, who was it? I think it was a Reggie Jackson. He was like, it's funny that, you know, how are you able to communicate and articulate with different groups? I think it's just nature, but because he's like, when you're striving for a goal, you're climbing up that hill. Like you're solely locked in on yeah. what you're trying to accomplish that all the other traits kind of go by the wayside. For sure. I don't know if you've started that journey as you see that horizon of being an agent, but kind of what are the traits that Todrick needs to start that climb to become that agent? Uh, sadly, the agent business is really tough. So I think I need to be very dominant. Um, I have a almost a passive, you know, smooth selling type of emotional, you know, personality, but I need to be more dominant, more you know, out there. I mean, that's why I admire you. It's like from your freshman year, when I saw you come to Texas Tech to now, it's like a 180. You always, you were always a fun guy to always, you know, yeah. can keep a room happy. But now you're, I think you found yourself is how I see it. And uh, I mean, it's great to see. So I can steal a couple of things from you and, you know, use the personality, whether it don't. It doesn't have to be like I'm the boss in here, but like you know, I can go up and shake a hand and yeah. not be scared of the owner or something like yeah. that. So that's my domination in that aspect for sure. Nah, I appreciate. It. I think even you, I admire you with your traits of just how consistent you mm-hmm. are, and even you speaking about your kids and about your wife and about like the goals that you set and knowing that okay, freedom is a thing. It's also something to show your kids like Mm -hmm. you're showing them as who you know a lot of people you don't realize obviously you do like what kids take from their fathers and to have you like no i want my kids with me i want my kids to see what this work is and even if they're young they don't really understand they feel it and they're growing and their their curiosity they're they're able to just dream bigger than what a regular kid back home would see so i think that's that's beautiful to have that kind of mindset. When you think about your story, everything that you face, who you are now and what you see the next version of yourself becoming, that negative voice 
whether it's between a transitional period to where, okay, I know I need to be this player for this team or this man for my wife or this leader, this father for my family and this agent and this personality. I know I got to become a different person. There's Mm -hmm. tension when you're trying to get somewhere new. Right. What is that negative voice telling you about yourself? And what are the ways that you practically work to overcome that voice? Um, I mean, it's the negative voice is always saying you will never get there or you're not good enough. That's whether that's in sports, basketball, business. I've always had that mindset to where even for the TBT tournament, I was looking at the roster immediately. I'm like, well, I it's seven or eight guards we have. Am I even good enough to play for really? this team at, at the beginning? And I was like, you know what? Now let me go back to myself. And I mean, that was just an initial thought. Yeah. Like, Man, there's eight guards. I told my wife the first day, I hope you, my family's coming. Hey, don't expect me to play. You know what I mean? So that negative thought went there first. But uh, I mean, I know myself. I found myself. I know what I can bring to any team business. So once I found out, changed my perspective, like, okay, let me go back to being me. And uh, I just find what works. So but from that thought, we told Kelly. Oh, your family, because I've had those experiences mm-hmm. too. Like even NBA, NBA, G League, you're like, I kind of don't ever want my family to come because it's like, who knows if I'm going to play. Right. Like, how do you go from that moment of having that thought to you just play, you just won your first game, you hit a bunch of big shots for the team. Mm-hmm. And it was a crazy atmosphere that TVT was here back in Lubbock. But how do you go from having that negative voice to actually performing in a major way? What were the steps to actually get there? Because a lot of people, they have that thought and they stay there. They're right, crippled, they're right. chained by that thought. How do you have the thought and not let the fear keep you there? Like you right. use the fear and work and push past it. How did you get to that point? To me, I went back to a fundamental practice of mine. I went to my favorite book. Um, I don't know. I posted it on my Instagram, but uh, as soon as I get negative thoughts, I go back to a book that I read in 2018, one of my favorites, The Compound Effect. And it talks about the negative, the you know, how to transition your mind. So that next day I read half of the book and I was like, okay, now, mm. now I'm back to normal to refresh my mind, to know this what I could be from what I was. But so as soon as I had that negative thought, I grabbed that book. And this is my third time reading it. So I go back to it as a reference. Yeah. Uh, if I'm ever feeling down, negative, I have that reference point to where I know I can go here and I can get back to normal or go back to the positive and change my perspective on life and things. So change your perspective on life and things. Yes. Funny you think, and then you feel it, then you behave, and then it changes your performance. Right. And like I said, I, I didn't even ask about TVT, but just who you've become and you're back in Lubbock and you're playing here after all that you are, you're a new person now, you're a new version of yourself. What does it mean as a bonus to be back and and donning the the red and black in the USA? Man, it was surreal. Goosebumps is the biggest word I can think of. Just seeing familiar faces, um, having so many former players in one building or one you know, the current players and the former players and one pitcher was, 
I, I don't think we'll ever see that again. I mean, having so many alumni just come back as one. So that feeling put on that TT on your chest again was, I mean, better than any pro contract, any business deal that I've ever, real estate deal that I've ever done. It's That was the best I've ever felt. Other, I mean, that was unbelievable yes. feeling. Yeah, it, it was emotional. Yeah. And- and honestly, I'm thankful for, for this. I'm thankful to have you on here because I, I really do admire who you become and your journey and your story and to learn different things that I didn't even know about you today is, is special because I always admired how you moved as a person, oh, how you man. moved as an athlete, how you moved as a father. Like I would hope to aspire to be even a fraction of that yeah. when I become a father, when I become a husband. Yes, so now thank you so much for sharing the space for telling some of your story. I know we're crunched behind time. I know <laughs> it got you in this new spot quickly and a lot of things, but I appreciate you being on the Mind Bully podcast. Man, thanks for having me. I've always watched. So thank you. And shout out to Norris for who he's become and uh he's a special guy. So always man, I love this guy. So love, love appreciate it. Sure. Love. Hey, Genix, you going off.